Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. How did David come into power and popularity? We came into power and popularity and fighting Goliath because God put him in the situation. He was learning to trust then, but he's moved so far away from that. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. How often we take God for granted. Where David was, appointed as king, known all over the nation as the man, happened because he trusted God. It wasn't his plan, it was God's plan. Have you ever been running for your life? Probably not. This, however, is where David finds himself. On the run, all alone, with no resources except his brains and wits. That's where he makes his first mistake. He forgot about God. Pastor Mark will be teaching about David's attempt to put space between Saul and himself. By concocting a story to provide himself with food and weapons, there will be unintended consequences prove fatal to others involved. Trust God for the answers to hard questions. Although you might not see the answer, God has one for you that is part of his plan. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 20 as he continues in his series called The Life of David. Let us hear your lessons for So what is the father thinking? He's saying, look, the way this is supposed to work is the king that's in place, his family is supposed to keep that throne. You're next, Jonathan, and then your son, and it goes on and on. Because of this son of Jesse, this is stopping. So it's a pride issue as well as an anger issue. As long as the son he just lives, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send and bring him to me, for he must die. That's pretty plain. Look at Jonathan's response. Well, wait, why should he be put to death? Well, he just told him. What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Look how far anger and jealousy can take a person. Ever been there? Ever been angry and it was ugly and then you caught yourself? It's ugly, isn't it? We've all lost it. This is dangerous. You know, when you read a lot of the newspaper articles about people getting killed and carved things and rage and whatever, it's all this. See, anger usually comes from unforgiven sin. His heart is filled with unforgiven sin. That's the anger issues. And because of this and the jealousy, Saul 
is into power and position, he totally loses it. And not only is he going to try to kill David, he's going to kill his own son. Just understand, it makes you crazy. It makes you not even think anywhere near right. And when we read these things in the paper, we go, what is wrong with that person? Well, it's the enemy. He takes our mind. And anger will do that. So Jonathan got up from the table. Look what he gets up with. Fierce anger. On the second day of the month, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. Now in the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him. And he said to the boy, now run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out to him, probably in a loud voice, because the, the boy obviously doesn't know that, that David is hiding there somewhere around. Jonathan called out to, after him, isn't the arrow beyond you? So what do we see here? I was thinking about this a lot as I finished the study. See, there's some things God will do, and there's some things that God requires us to do. Now, one of the things that God required David and Jonathan to do was to come up with their plan. He wouldn't have ever required them to make a lie. His plan would have been way better. I wish I could see what it was. We're not told what it is. But he's even graceful here because what you're going to see is Jonathan is going to have to shoot the arrows, but God's going to guide the arrows. Just like, remember, just like when David killed Goliath, God directed the stone. Well, God directs the arrows, even through through the skill of Jonathan. And as it goes, it's God saying, here's what you need to do. This is the will of God. You need to leave. You can't go back. This is going to be your exodus. You're going to have to move away from King Saul. And for the next 10, 12 years, he's going to be running from King Saul. In these stories, we just read them and, and we don't let our mind stop and begin to think. Well, I, I wrote some things down. And you could use this in your devotion tomorrow. If you're David in the field and you're waiting for Jonathan to come from the house and you see the arrow and you hear Jonathan go, it's beyond you. What comes into your mind at that point if you're David? You see, I like to think that. As he watches that go, I'm thinking David's thinking, uh-oh, it's over. I'm going to be on my own. Saul is after me. Maybe he's thinking, God, what are you doing? I, I, I don't like this king deal. I was way better off when I was in the shepherd. So all kinds of things begin going to his mind. I don't know what went through his mind, but for sure, if you put yourself there, there's many things. Will I ever see Jonathan again? Maybe not. Maybe I have to go right now. Will there be a chance for me to say goodbye to Jonathan? How's this all going to work? Where's my wife in all of this situation? Somebody wrote, a great commentator, talks about, remember I said that stone to wait by the stone of Ezel? Someone has said God used this stone to show his will. It was a stone of departure. It was a stone of direction. And it would be a stone of testing. 
In other words, that was a marker that David was by. And when he saw that arrow go by, that was a stone of departure. I have to leave. It was a stone of direction. I'm leaving now and God will direct me. And it was a stone of testing. I'm going to have to leave and trust God to help me with this journey that I don't have any clue as to where I'm going. That's pretty much like life for all of us tonight. But see, God was directing all of this at this point. Now look at verse 22. Remember what I said? Then you must, let me just go back and look at it for a moment. But if I say to the boy, look at the arrows are on you, then you must go because the Lord has sent you away. It's God. God was moving David. When God moves us, you want to move. When God says go, you want to go. And that's exactly what we see happening. He knew he would have to go into hiding. Verse 38, then he shouted, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. Verse 39 just tells us that the boy knew nothing about it. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, go, carry them back to town. All of a sudden, it seems like Jonathan is going to have time to say goodbye. He never knew if he would or not. Verse 41, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most because David's gone. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. What a scene. Jonathan and David, great friends, must part. David's going to leave his home. David's going to leave his palace. David's going to leave his friends, his best friend. David's going to leave his wife. And he's going to go into the unknown. That's pretty tough. But he's not alone. Where can I go from your spirit, he would write. He can't go anywhere because the spirit of the Lord's going to be with him. So David is now a fugitive. And really, it's necessary. It's a part of God preparing him for the throne. And as he moves, we're going to kind of watch him through. Now, the next chapter that we look at, chapter 21, is a short chapter but it's just jammed with gems. Now, let me remind you of this tonight. The Bible tells us in Corinthians that these Old Testament true stories are given to teach you and me great principles. So we want to watch as we move through these chapters in the life of David, not just to go, wow, I got great history here about David, nothing wrong with that, But how do you make that bridge from David to you, from David to me? Because it's not far. Remember, the, the Bible says Elijah, that great prophet, is a man just like you and me. So we're all alike. And when you see this frustration and this failure in David, we might get anxious about it and go like, what's up with David? Careful, because we've been there. We've all been there. And it will surprise you, and I'll try to bring out why I think it happened, and that will help all of us tonight. So there's a lot of application here in chapter 21. Now, we go to verse 1. First thing David did is he did the right thing. He's going to go to worship. 
David went to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him. Now, why would he tremble? (laughs) Well, because he knows David. Remember the thousand and the ten thousand? (laughs) This priest knows David. Whether he knows he's going to be king or not, we don't know. He just knows he's a very important guy. So Ahimelech is going to kind of give him a a second look through his eye like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Ahimelech's going to ask. Notice, and he says, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? How can you, as that kind of a man, you're known throughout the whole nation, you walk in here alone. So David goes to a priest where the tabernacle is located. So that's a good move. Now, remember, David's going to go there because he was friends with Samuel. He had already been with Samuel. He had already been at that school of prophets, and he was talking to him. He's trying to get information from him. This is all new to David. Samuel knew the Lord. David's learning to know the Lord. So he goes there, and he knew he would find refuge among the priests here at the tabernacle. So David answered the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter. Now watch this. The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. We've said this word before tonight. It's called a lie. Here we go again. So now, why is he lying? Because he's not trusting in God. He's trying to come up with a story. And he's going to try to make it as plausible as he wants. He lies in all kinds of things, i.e., I'm on a a secret mission for the king. A hundred percent lie. Now, how does David do that? Well, here's something David will discover later, and you'll see it in one of his songs. We probably won't have time to get there tonight, but you know this, but it's good for you to write it, because when we write it, it just pops into our mind. One lie often leads to another. Now, don't look at me funny, because you've been there. And when we're caught in a lie, we wish we could go back and redo it again, because it just expands and expands and expands. And then we're in trouble. You ever watch the politicians? (laughs) Case closed. (laughs) Remember our presidents? I did not have... But we don't need to point fingers, do we? Nobody here needs to point fingers because we've all been there. By the way, God hates liars. Liars don't go to heaven. And so David comes up with this amazing story. The guy that's going to kill him is the one that sent him on a secret mission. That's just to put credibility to it. Now, the consequences to this lie, you'll see in a moment, I'll mention it when we get there. It's going to cost so many people their lives. One simple little quote lie. Verse 3. Now then, David says to uh, Ahimelech, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. Now remember, sometimes when you read this, you wonder, what in the world are you doing, David? Remember, David's a fugitive. He's a man on the run. 
He's got some men somewhere. We don't know how many. There's some people off to the side. He's going to be a fugitive for about 10 years. What do fugitives need? Well, they need basically three things. Some kind of shelter. They need food. And they need a weapon. Because they're going to be fugitives. David has none of these. He doesn't have anything. So instead of asking God to provide for him, he's going to make up a lie to get the provision. And you'll see how it works here. David doesn't have any of these, so here's his plan to get food. He's already got shelter at the moment. And to get a weapon. You'll see it. This is his plan. Now, I want you to write these two statements. And this is where the application comes to all of us tonight. Christ follower, don't trust in your wisdom, but God's wisdom. And then the second one is, always consult God and his wisdom first. David's plan basically goes around God. He hasn't asked God. God would have never told him to do this, the way he's doing it, never. So he hasn't asked God, but he's come up with his own wisdom. And you and I, that's when we get into trouble. Every one of us here know what that's like. David doesn't consult God first. He comes up with his plan, and he begins to work his plan. We have enough ability, most of us, to work a plan. We can just find a way to work the plan. And when we work our plan, we're in trouble. Now, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know it. I'll just read it to you to remind us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your might. Lean on him. Lean on his wisdom. See, David doesn't have anybody to lean on. All his support is gone. His wife's gone. His close friend's gone. His home's gone. His king's gone. He isn't anywhere near around Samuel. But God isn't gone. So he doesn't lean to God's wisdom. He leads to his own wisdom. And this is where the trouble's going to come. How did David come into power and popularity? We came into power and popularity and fighting Goliath because God put him in the situation. He was learning to trust then, but he's moved so far away from that. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. How often we take God for granted. Where David was, appointed as king, known all over the nation as the man, happened because he trusted God. It wasn't his plan, it was God's plan. He had trusted him as a young boy all this time, and now he's forgotten him. And he's forgotten how God had guided him through all of this situation. So as we plan for the future, just stop tonight and think, how'd you get where you are? If good things are happening, you got here because God guided you. And you obeyed his direction. And you don't want to start taking things into your own hands, which David's going to do, and try to direct your life. And sometimes we don't even think about it. We don't even give God a second thought. We just do it. It's in our planner. Boom. It's right there. It's what I have to do today. By the way, the way you break that, the way I found to break it, because I have the same tendency as you do, I'm a doer. I just go out do it. Get it done. Move on. The way I learned to break that is my quiet time in the morning. When I write, God, here's what I need. I need this and this and this and this. I don't have the wisdom for it. 
I don't have the wisdom for it. I need you to do this for me. Now, I get a little impatient. Sometimes I work up a plan in the back of my mind. Know what I mean? Just in case he doesn't come through, I got it ready here. I know why you're laughing. Exactly. But I've always found this. When I take all that time to work up the backup plan, to be honest, it's a waste of my time. Because if I do wait for God, by the way, if I do my plan, it's really disaster. But if I wait for God, I discovered that it was his timing. He had the plan. I didn't need to do all that planning. It was already, I was just, I wasted a lot of time. And you know, the most valuable thing we have is time. And so David is taking things into his own hand. And I just want to ask you tonight, the decisions that you're getting ready to make, you know, we make this little saying, well, just ask God for his wisdom. We know it's the right thing to say, but are we asking him? And number two, are we waiting for it? And number three, are we expecting it to come? Because it will come. Don't lean to our own understanding. In every way, acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. Now, verse four, David's asking for some bread. But the priest answered, David, I, I, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. It's like, like 7-Eleven right around the corner from the temple or something. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. So you women are always the issue. We can't even eat bread because of you. You understand that? I'll pay for that at home. My wife's here tonight. Now, if any of you have bread, I may need some in the morning. What bread are they talking about? They're talking about in the tabernacle of the Lord, there was a table that had 12 loaves. You remember the bread, and we went through that. It symbolized the continuing fellowship of God with the nation of Israel. And once a week, that bread would be replaced, and then the priests were allowed to eat the old bread. Just the priests were allowed to eat it. The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his descendants, Leviticus 24, who must eat them in a sacred place, for they are most holy. It is the permanent right of the priest to claim this portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. So notice what happens when David asks for some bread. All that's available is this holy bread, the showbread used in the tabernacle for worship. So if the priest gives this to David, basically the priest would be breaking the law. But it's interesting, in this particular case, the priest seems to think, okay, I'm going to break the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. It's so interesting that he would have that insight because later in the book of Matthew, we don't have time to go through it tonight, Jesus had the same problem with the religious Pharisees who challenged him about eating, breaking the law, which he didn't do. And the Lord in that day, in Matthew, refuted them and he used this very incident with the priest and David. So the law was never given to put us into a bondage. The law was really given for man to be free and to serve God. Of course, when we see that, Jesus came right to it. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the love Jonathan had for David, even to the point of confronting his father, risking his own life. There was a lot said about not trusting in your own wisdom. You got to see David's use of his own wisdom, the lies that flowed from that and the consequences of those events. The warning is clear. When making decisions, trust what God has to say. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will carry on in his teaching on the life of David. He will spend the bulk of his time talking about trusting in God's strength rather than in your own. He'll use David's life, decisions, and the consequences he had to deal with as examples of what not to do. You'll see more effects to David's life of his choices and the danger he ends up in. Well, we've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.